As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yo. Technology. What is it all about? When you start talking about very large timescales, not 50 years, not 100 years, not 100,000 years, how do we preserve all this knowledge? Turns out, life has already figured out a way a long time ago how to preserve information and pass it perfectly from generation to generation. It's called DNA. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from deep inside the Silicon Valley future machine. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and downloading or whatever it is you're doing to access this podcast. I am your host, Danny Fortson, the Sunday Times West Coast correspondent out here on the mean streets of San Francisco and oakland or wherever it may be tracking down interesting folks and getting them to sit down in front of a mic for you and this week we have a super interesting show um so several months back i sat down with arvind gupta who is the founder of indie bio which is a really unique place it's a biotech accelerator so at any one time he has around 15 startups under one roof but the interesting bit is that they all share this one big professional grade lab where they can basically try to prove all of these crazy ideas that they're working on without the added expense of building their own lab, which of course would set them back you know, many hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars. The model has produced some actually quite impressive results. So you may recall from last season, a company called Finless Foods, which was the company growing fish meat in a lab. Well, they proved that they could do that first at IndieBio. So they're an alum. So is uh, Memphis Meats, the company that grows meatballs in a test tube. So I, I headed over to um, IndieBio's offices. And before we sat down to talk, Gupta gave me a tour of the lab. And we started at this big glass cauldron of bubbling, whirling brown liquid. And I can tell you, it was not what I expected it to be. So what is this? This is the future of fish. <laughs> Not even kidding. That is Terramino salmon. It's a. Um, that's gonna be meat at some point. That is gonna be meat. That um, just looks like kind of. Yeah. Super. Here, here, get, come close. So what you can see, uh, it must be have just started the inoculation. So they've got a, um, they've got a fungus growing in there, and fungus grow filamentous in this, and so that's. What they're trying to do is replicate the texture of fish and salmon um, and start there and then put the algaes that salmon eat to replicate the flavor. After seeing the beginnings of a test tube salmon burger, we move to the other end of the lab. This is where um, we work on cancer cell lines, human cell lines. um, And so they have cancer cells in there. Mm -hmm. And then you're making salmon out of goop over there yes <laughs> and you also grew meatballs here yes in there yes it was good you know lab is agnostic to the work it's that's being done yeah. in it right you get the idea 
So after my little tour, Gupta and I sat down to talk. Uh, and IndieBio itself is kind of an interesting, very kind of San Francisco-y type of space. It has this kind of, it's a subterranean open plan workspace off a dingy little alley next to a cannabis dispensary. So we did our little tour. We, we grabbed a, a conference room and talked about the idea behind what Gupta is doing at IndieBio, why he thinks uh, we're on the cusp of a synthetic biology revolution, how investing is very much like jumping off buildings, because Gupta, of course, was also a base jumper, obviously. Um, so we talk about that. We talk about superhumans and bionic bees and a whole lot more. Anyhow, if you have any interest in the future of science and where it may take us, I think you'll enjoy this one. So, without further ado, I give you Arvind Gupta. Enjoy. So, can you just, because this is kind of a funky, very San Francisco-y space. Yes. Can you just describe kind of what this is, where we are, and what you're doing? Yeah, so imagine Jesse Street, for those of you guys who know Jesse Street in San Francisco. It's a, it's an alley that is filled with characters, we, we can say. It was, I just walked through that very characterful alley <laughs> yes. to get here. Yeah. That's right. And then you walk into fairly n- nondescript doors and then you move into a a tech space that's where a lot of people are working on groundbreaking ideas. In this space we have downstairs uh, in the basement a full biosafety level one and biosafety level two molecular biology laboratory that allows us to work on fungi, yeast, bacterial cells, as well as human cell lines, uh, low-level infectious diseases. We also have space for up to 15 companies to be working at the same time, right next to the lab as well, and uh, building the businesses as much as they are building the science and the product that they're working on. The lab aspect is quite interesting because I, I was here a few weeks ago, had a quick tour around. It's everything from lab-grown meatballs to synthetic wood to some kind of quite high-tech biology, mm-hmm. human biology stuff. I mean, is this different insofar as that you have this lab here, and so it allows you to kind of bring all of these people under one roof? That's right, uh, and, and you nailed it. That You're getting close to the very heart of IndieBio. I started this three years ago about, and started by rejecting some conventional thought, rejecting uh, how biotech was being built at the time, and that included one sentiment that scientists are not entrepreneurs, that scientists cannot build businesses, and scientists need guidance by quote-unquote adults or grown-ups that understand the business side. Another one is that you can only fund scientists that come from the world's top laboratories or the very best professors uh, in the world, and that list is like 10. And I think uh, there's an incredible amount of knowledge being created in the world, and by tremendously creative uh, people and driven people, and it's a lack of access to capital and to mentorship that leads to that mentality. And it all comes from one thing, which is for biotech or life science investing, you need some fundamental capital costs. A laboratory, even at a small scale for 
one company building a therapeutic or diagnostic or food would cost in the excess of half a million to a million dollars. To take the risk of uh, funding them, a VC would have to pay for that, plus salaries and things like that for a couple of years. And now you're looking at, at the minimum, a $5 million investment, just to see if an idea works. And that leads to the risk aversion that traditional biotech VCs had. And I'm talking about these are low numbers. Oftentimes they're doing $20 million as a first check. And so those are the, the reasons that, tr- that conventional thinking existed. In rejecting that thought, we said, okay, how do you lower the capital and risk requirements such that you can take on bolder ideas, more transformational ideas, and not just do healthcare, but do biology as a technology? And the answer came pretty quickly is in the form of amortizing or creating a lab that could be shared, which is, uh, you know, that same one to, you know, 500000 to $1.5 million per company times 15, you can put them all in the same place. Not only are they sharing the lab and that cost is removed from their business, but they're also around uh, 15 other world-class teams and sharing ideas. Anyone that's been an entrepreneur knows how lonely it can be when you're facing issues that an entrepreneur, entrepreneur faces and many people in your network aren't entrepreneurs, don't understand it. And so it helped us, uh, or it helps the teams really move forward much quicker. For IndieBio's perspective, it allows us to invest in potential futures as opposed to one particular idea or one particular founder. So we could take a more basket approach to solving the world's problems. And, and that's really what we're here to do. So can you give me a, a sense of what happens in that lab or what has happened in that lab, just to kind of give you give a sense of the breadth of the kind of problems that you guys are working on? We are funding biology as a technology to solve the world's largest problems. And that, that includes healthcare, but it also includes things like global warming, security of information, one doesn't think about information and um, IT to be particularly a biological problem, but all the world's knowledge is being accumulated and stored on hard drives. Hard drives you know, fail all the time, as many people painfully find out. When you start talking about very large timescales, not 50 years, not 100 years, not 100,000 years, how do we preserve all this knowledge? Turns out life has already figured out a way a long time ago how to preserve information and pass it perfectly from generation to generation, it's called DNA. One company we funded called Catalog has a very low energy solution to storing information in DNA and encoding it and making it retrievable such that you could store a copy of all of the world's knowledge in one little Eppendorf tube. In a what? Ah, uh, yeah, Eppendorf tube. It's a tiny little tube. Like a <laughs> test tube? Like a test tube, in one little you test tube. You store all of the world's information. In one test tube, correct. And then you could replicate that and put, the, put a copy of that test tube in a thousand places on the planet so it could never be destroyed. But you can't look at that test tube and be like, okay, um, what's the capital of Zimbabwe? <laughs> Very good point. You have to decode it. You sequence the DNA back out, run it through a deconvolution algorithm, which helps encode it, and you can retrieve the information. And that, is that, that's a, an idea? Or are they doing that? No, they've done it. And so they have done it. They have done it. So that's what we do at IndieBio. They came in with that idea. We understood it on a theoretical level. It was a matter of execution and seeing if it worked in practice as it didn't in principle. 
And that's the risk we like to fund. I say we don't fund science, we fund engineering. So we'll do things like encoding information in the world's information in DNA. And who do they sell that to? Who's the end customer for that, for example? Uh, the, like the Library of Congress, the World Internet Archive. So the Library of Congress could be <laughs> reduced to like a couple droplets. Correct. Yeah. And, they, and then remove the drop. So it's just a couple crystals, really. That's kind of hard to wrap my mind around. Yeah. but it's, a, it's truly amazing. I have a test tube downstairs right now, actually, with a billion copies of Merry Christmas <laughs> from that team to the IndieBio team as one of their very first prototype. And nobody's really aware of it yet, or the kind of general public isn't aware of it yet, but we are at just the beginning of this synthetic biology revolution that's going to change all kinds of stuff. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And I, I actually would call it a renaissance. It's being driven by many things. It's the fact that there are several technologies that have come together at the same time to enable this flowering of new verticals that biology could be applied to, where you take the biological principle, life science principle, and then create human value out of that. You know, we're seeing it in, there's another company called Lingrove that's making wood without the wood. One of the things that we've seen is, and we care deeply about it in DBIOs, like I said, solving these intractable problems uh, in the world and lowering the amount of carbon in the world is an important part of that. And so the construction industry has 10 times more carbon being uh, locked up than any other industry. And so Lingrove is using Locked flax. up, you mean just like the building materials? Correct, and, right. concrete. So Lingrove is going to, what they're doing is they're taking flax fibers and spinning it into a continuous mat and then impregnating that with a bio-based resin so you could form this wood, you can make high-performance wood. In essence, it's like a carbon fiber in a similar process, yet completely bio-based and extremely low impact relative to cutting down sequoia trees or right. cutting down pine trees. It would be good to just get a sense of how you ended up starting this yeah. because you have an interesting background both professionally and personally because well we can get to the personal the base jumping and all that stuff which <laughs> <That's> is <right. laughs> but just how did you because you didn't start out doing this obviously no as a young undergrad i studied genetic engineering because it was very clear that the ability to control or code life would be critical to some of the fundamental discoveries and inventions of the future and i thought that was an exciting place to study the problem I ran into was it was incredibly slow. It wasn't even the bureaucracy of the machine, of the academic, uh, academic machine. The science was slow. It was just too slow for my attention span. And uh, I did economics at the same time and ended up in options trading. Where, here in San Francisco. Here in San Francisco, where I quickly learned that, oh, okay, while it's cool to have an idea and test it and make uh, money, it doesn't. It's, it's not super fulfilling if just making money is the goal. So that led me into a soul-searching uh, few years where, okay, what is it really that I, that I want to do, which led me to design, specifically industrial design, where I went and got a master's degree and was hired by this company called IDEO. IDEO, yeah. yeah. And IDEO is a multidisciplinary, very interesting company that solves large problems using the latest technologies for large companies. And so I was really able to understand what it means to productize technology. That was really exciting and led me to build my own startup with my wife. We had an idea. Two months later, we had a prototype that we launched. And then another month after that, thousands of people were using it around the world. And my wife, who 
was actually built the company and um, and ran it. She was a CEO. She's getting emails from people saying, "Wow, you know this this app really changed my what life." Was it? Thank you. It's a it was a fitness app. It was just really amazing to see that speed of okay idea to feedback from the world. It's like oh, I've designed all these things, the Samsung Galaxy Curve, all this stuff, and I've never gotten an email saying. That was amazing and changed my life. And so, right. so at that point, VC started talking to me about coming over to venture capital. And I decided that doing biotech, at this point, I'd always kept my eye on biology because it was my first love. And I saw that it had been speeding up over the years. And some critical things changed. Read, write, copy, paste. These fundamental functions had been figured out and standardized they became a tool as opposed to a discovery. So the things that I was trying to discover way back in you know, undergrad now were standardized and could do it in the afternoon. And that allowed you to look at biology as a design problem as much as it was a science problem, discovery problem. And that made me think, okay, I think the time is right now for biology to have a renaissance or biology will be going through a renaissance. The fundamental forces of biology were becoming more discoverable through these faster tools. So I joined SOSV as a general partner to build the biotech practice. That led to the birth of IndieBio. And how does this work? It's, it's yeah. you give, was it 250 grand? Correct, $250,000 for 8% equity. We also give a four month design program in essence. So you have like, what, 12 or 15 residents here Correct. at any one time? Between, between 12 to 15 uh, companies, and it lasts for four months, and then there's a demo day. And then in theory, they get funded and Correct. they're off to the races. Yeah, it's been great. And the numbers are 70% of our companies get funded. Well, so I was going to ask you, because it feels like what you're doing is, because it's quite early stage, feels like a lot of these just have to be end up being science projects that kind of yeah. go poof. Yes. And so I, I say we, we don't fund science, we fund engineering. Well, unfortunately, sometimes <laughs> to the, <laughs> we end up funding science because it wasn't quite as far along. And, and that's important for us, too. We, we want some of those companies we fund to fail because it means we're thinking, we're thinking bold enough. If we were sure about everything, then we would creep into the old VC mindset, the old biotech mindset, where it has to be a sure thing. Well, nothing in biology is a sure thing. Biology is the messiest science in the world. There is an inherent amount of risk in any one of these investments, and that's okay. And that's why I like this model. You mentioned risk. You used to jump off buildings. <laughs> I did. Uh, guilty. <laughs> how, do, how does, can you just, guilty. I know this is kind of off topic, but yeah, it's no, interesting. No, no. How does one get into jumping off buildings? In my case, I used to climb uh, what are called big walls. So I was a rock climber in college and I ended up being attracted to the taller cliffs. And so I was climbing El Capitan. I was on the side of the cliff and uh, one day these two guys flew by and I was like, I have to. So you were going way. up and they were I was going up and right. they flew by. Because, you know, as a climber, a lot of times I'm imagining what would happen if that rope cut? <laughs> it's um, clear I had to do that one day. So were you like actually jumping off buildings in San Francisco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you jump, you free fall, and then parachute, and then Opens land, and, and then run away as fast as possible? Yes, and do a, wa a waiting getaway car. <laughs> so it's you never get caught. Never got caught. I did get chased by, you know, there are security like guard dogs. But you know, it's kind of funny. You say, you know, about the base jumping, taking a risk. We always joke about this, but, but actually, I, I think what I enjoy is, is de-risking things. Right? So like on base jumps, you're not just going and jumping and 
hoping for the best, at least I'm not. What I'm doing is I'm going out there and assessing conditions and I'm uh, assessing a bunch of things and saying, okay, I want to have this experience. What are the odds it's going to cost me dearly? That, that's the equation. And so uh, in essence, what I do for a living is similar, de-risking companies. Here is a company that, that is trying to be transformational in the world in a certain way. How do we do that with a limited amount of money and a limited amount of time in a way that makes the most sense for our partner investors? Right. And so it really, you know, a thread through my life has been about de-risking things. Well, as you say, but that's always been the, the issue, right, with investing in biotech, especially early stages, that it is, if you're talking about the human body, for example, it's kind of this most complex, almost unknowable machine how do you make something that's actually going to make it, you know, do what you want it to do and be able to explain why? That's right. And have it be repeatable right. over time, right? It's very, very difficult. And that's why I think this renaissance is upon us, right? With when I say read, you know, or DNA sequencing, the read side has dropped in cost by orders of magnitude. It's, it's dropping faster than Moore's Law. Oh, is this um, like the Illumina? Yeah, can, they can yeah, sequence, sequence exactly my it. genome in for 100 bucks in an hour or something That's like exactly that. it. And it's dropping daily. And it used to took, the first one took what? 13 years and a billion dollars or something. There you go. That's exactly it. And that was not that long ago. Now the right is starting to catch up. So the actual synthesis of whole genomes. And what does that mean if we go like, if we kind of throw forward to like Mm -hmm. the kind of interesting kind of crazy future? Mm -hmm. When you talk about the right writing genomes. Yeah. Are we designing humans or? We will be designing humans far before we do, we get to that technology, but you know, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But you'll be able to design microorganisms from scratch in, in new ways. That's already starting to happen. But, but being able to write whole genes and whole genomes allows us to, to start to control fundamental building blocks. I mean, already you can get oligonucleotides turned around overnight from IDT, Twist, others. And that, you know, Twist is a, is a fantastic startup uh, run by Emily uh, LaProust, and they're dropping the cost of, of DNA writing uh, every single day, and they have fundamental new technology. So it's, it's only a matter of time before the writing gets faster and faster, and we can write, like we said, long sequences. To what end? What does that mean? You well, know, for the man in the science, street. Uh, science gets faster. You don't have to spend time building the tool you need, like I did when I was an undergrad, to validate an idea, you could just work on validating the idea. So biology looks more and more and more like design and testing ideas rather than building tools to do those things, right? right? And so you're sucking the time component out of that. Yeah, what happens when we could write entire genomes from scratch? Man, uh, you're starting to write life from scratch. I mean, that's really what it is. And so, of course, you need machinery, you need a cell that, that goes into, there, there are other things, parts of the technology stack. You know, I could start talking about biology or biotech as a stack of technology in the same way IT investors do. But there's, you know, there's a cell apparatus, and then there's the information, which is in the, the, the DNA and the genome. And there is a correlation there, but, you know, you need you need both. And, and that's all going to be, you know, it's becoming decoded. And a big part of that be, uh, decoding, I think, and what's another major force of the Renaissance is IT coming to biology, specifically machine learning, bioinformatics, and AI, 
we're starting to be able to see patterns across it, both in the genome and what we're seeing as the metagenome or right. between the actual genome sequence and the microRNA that are regulatory molecules that feed back into that genome to mRNA to promoters. There, there's a in methylation on the epigenetic side. So there's an entire uh, range of, of things that, that control what your gene genome does. So you are not determined by your genome, thank God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The range there is obviously vast. So we have things like, so the lab downstairs, you're saying that's where the first Memphis meat ball was grown. Yes, it was. And then on the other end, you have kids. Yes, I have two little girls, three and one. Is the world going to be very different for them in terms of what they're going to be experiencing in terms of whether that's food or their health options or things like that? The world's going to be extremely different for them in a very material way. I think uh, when we say, man, in a material way, when they're my age, let's say early 40s, gene therapy is going to be a very viable way to treat many, many diseases we're going to see plant-based alternatives and uh, cell-based alternatives to proteins feeding the world. You know, from a biological perspective, we're going to see biology being used to solve lots of the crises that are going to be facing humanity from uh, overpopulation. It'll just be beginning in 50 years. We'll have doubled our pop- world population again. So that's a that, that's a lot of pressure, and pressure creates unrest and turmoil, both from a social perspective, but also from a biological perspective, you know, new diseases uh, are formed. So, and then there's climate unrest, you know, like we're seeing it already. Global warming is leading to a lot of more extreme phenomenon that we're seeing from hurricanes to to temperature extremes. Those are going to lead to situations that we have to, uh, that we have to fix. And our, my children uh, are going to be in that, in that phase. And so biology is the only technology that can really fix those things. And it's not about communication at that point. It's about doing more with less. And the only way to do more with less is to recode life to be able to do so. But as you say, biology is inherently just so messy. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not physics. But 
I guess the idea is that we're getting to a point now where there's enough technology and we are fur- further along and have enough tools to kind of go at it that we can actually manipulate it. In, in We will be able to manipulate it in ways that are actually effective and kind of revolutionary. And safe. It's important to, to recognize there's a lot of power in this technology as we're starting to understand life itself, the, the underpinnings of life itself. I mean, it's, it's pretty heady stuff. And so it needs to be safe. And I think it needs to be used very responsibly. Let's say we are able to start to do gene therapies and deliver into tissues at will. We have solved the delivery problem of gene therapies, let's say in 30, 40 years. Now you're, you could blend the line between what's a therapy and what's enhancement. And so, you know, this is how fundamental it could become. Superhumans. Superhumans, absolutely. Designed humans. Uh, we don't need to write a whole genome from scratch to design a human. The effect of kind of steroids for the genome. That's right. Specific steroids for the genome. Oh, you know, if we could understand, and this is, again, not possible today, and I want everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but in the long run, what we're trying to understand is, you know, what are the correlations between the different genes and metagenes or metagenomics that lead from genotype to phenotype? And then how do you deliver uh, enhancements or therapies with that knowledge? You know, and, and that needs to be done safely, both from a human point of view, but also when we talk about food production or, or water. Water is going to be a huge crunch for, in commodity, right? So we need to figure out how to be better at getting pure and clean water to all corners of the world. And I think that's the other thing that's important to say. This isn't just about the first world or uh, most developed nations. This is about all of humanity. A lot of people think, oh, you know, Memphis meats, it's, you know, meat for vegans. It's not. It's not. The, the end goal is protein for everyone right? Uh, better source of protein, cleaner source of protein to feed the world. Right. Um, Clean meat. Yes. For everyone. And yeah. I think that's the goal. It's not just a high priced alternative right. for those that are morally, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. thinking about that stuff. That, and so across all of the problems, that's what we're looking for. You know, energy is another big one. Photosynthesis is one of the most energy efficient processes on the planet for turning sunlight into chemical energy. And so we need to get there. We need to understand this and, and replicate it. There, there's a, so many different biological processes that, have, that are so much more efficient than anything we've created. We don't need to mimic them. We can, we can use them. And kind of what you're doing here is you're, it's so broad. There's so many bases you're covering. So I'm going to put you on the spot and say, yeah, can please. you give me three companies totally unrelated that kind of give a sense of the breadth of what you're doing here, either that have already come and gone and graduated or that are here now? Our food companies are very, very well understood. Um, like, okay, so let's start with Synthex. So I'll, I'll go with a therapeutics company. So okay. one of the missions of IndieBio is to find a cure for cancer. And, uh, that's one of your missions. One of our missions. Find a, find a cure for that's cancer. Kind of, <laughs> you know? Usually people have just that as their mission, if that's their mission. Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're in a very lucky place to uh, be able to, like I said, ap- approach large world-changing problems in a basket approach. So finding a cure to cancer is, is one of those. And Synthex is a company that has created an extremely clever platform for finding proteins that disrupt protein-protein interactions. They can identify and create a peptide that's uh, highly selective for breaking any, any one protein-protein interaction. That's basically like the communication network of the cell. So it's kind of like 
oh, okay, you can stop these two, uh, these two proteins from talking and therefore break a, fu a fundamental process in the formation of cancer and thereby curing it. And so we'll go from, from that all the way, you know, like, a, I guess, okay, so, okay, I'll go, to, I'll go to an agricultural one that I think is really cool, B-Flow. B-Flow. B-Flow is a company that has discovered compounds that are completely natural that help bees stay stronger through the winter as well as find flowers more effectively. So they are helping create super bees in essence bionic bees bionic well, there's, there's, it's just a super. <laughs> no, <yeah>. okay <laughs> we'll say super yeah. there's no like yeah uh there's no like uh, there's chips no going on there. anabolic there's, bees yeah, no okay <laughs> yeah but there's a completely natural compound that helps them stay healthy so uh, how do they the how do they get that compound to the bees they feed the bees that in their syrup and so it allows the bees to, to fly further and then there's two different sets one they call chimichurri they're from Argentina and then the other one they call 2B which helps sensitize the bee to a specific flower these are the compounds yeah those are right. the names of the compounds they use and right. they, they actually sell the bees, the super bees, to farmers. It, the data they've been able to create is incredible. The uh, kiwis are pollinated by hand because bees have do such a poor job now of pollinating kiwis. The, their bees have been able to... Is that a problem with the bees or is that just kiwis? It's just kiwis. Well, it's beewees. Uh, <laughs> bees, really, uh, that, that are going in. And, and they just... So bees, it turns out, don't... If you put them in a field surrounded by a crop, the bees don't necessarily stay in that field. They might fly to the field next door right. and hang out there for a while, right. come back, and you just hope, right? So I think the farmers literally say, yeah, we put the bees here and then we pray <laughs> right. that they pollinate our field. If you look at world without bees, that's 70% of the world's crops that disappear from the shelf, grocery shelves. 70%. 70% of this. Uh, go to the grocery store, look at everything there, 70% of those things are gone if bees are gone. Let's see, so I've covered food and agriculture, I've covered uh, construction, we've covered some of the IT cancer. stuff. Uh, yes, uh, cancer therapies. You know, um, and we're getting more and more into uh, neurotechnology, I think, is in a brain, the brain is a really important area for us to understand. It's a black box. No one really understands the brain. And when we do, we will understand so much more about what makes us us. And so, uh, we're always looking for promising companies there. One that is in this current class is a brain-computer interface. So it basically reads your brain waves. And it's is this a, like Neuralink, Elon Musk's it's, thing? It, it's different. The uh, application is different. So Neuralink and, and uh, Brian Johnson's company, Colonel, we have a friend of Brian Johnson, they're trying to jack into the brain and create an interface for general use, which I think is really important. The company I'm talking about, Nuos, is actually a little bit further in. And I think the most important thing is the application. So they have a brain-computer interface, but their first patient is stroke victims, victims that have become locked in. They lose the sense of touch or um, speech. A speech and lose the, sen the sense of movement, and the, the paralyzed. And so now they become locked into their brain. How do you communicate? How, how does a family deal with that? How does, you know, how does that relationship happen? And so that's the application we're going after to help 
those types of people communicate with their families and communicate with the rest of the world so they can live so there'll be some kind of screen life. that effectively reads their brain the thoughts mm-hmm. and then and they can then control that interface so the words come up on the screen they have this kind of very cool radar based approach uh, what we call the radar based so it's like the sweeping hand and it stops it is predictive text and uses AI to figure out what you're trying so it stays tries to stay ahead of you but it also does simple things like get you to the web <laughs> you browse the internet, right? Um, Browse the internet with your brain. Correct. Those are things that, simple freedoms right. that change the quality of life for people. I selected that just because it was, it's something that I think we also, while we're going after huge, big, try, you know, trying to really change, we're changing someone's life that way is also very important. Changing families' lives are really important. Yeah. So. How do you find the companies that come here? Or do they find you? Uh, both. Both. Well, one is, uh, you know, our, our, our brand and what we stand for has gotten out into the world so that uh, it's great. If you want to build a company and want to become an entrepreneur and you're a solid scientist, IndieBio is the place to go. We also go and travel the world every year. Myself and the rest of the team get on planes and we go give talks at all the big postdoc, all the major universities, postdoc associations. We're, we're not going to popular lectures. What we're doing is we're actually going to the source of where PhD scientists research are, universities. research universities, where they're doing work on the ground. And it enables us to see where the future is going because we're seeing 10, 15 years out of where things are today. So that gives us a very unique lens into the world. Likewise, we have a unique lens because we have a lot of corporate partners as well as therapeutics development partners that allows us to understand what the market is wanting. And so with those two views on the supply side and the demand side, we have a very unique position in the biotech space, which allows us to find companies that both are doing something revolutionary, that is contrary to what everyone's thinking, but also find companies that would be perfect for what people need today. I have one last question. Oh, please. Of all the things you see, because you obviously you have a lot of uh, off-the-wall ideas come across your desk, I'm sure. Yes. Is there one thing that you're most excited about that you either that you funded or not funded doesn't matter? So there's, there's one company or one approach that's using small RNA switches as a kill switch for gene gene therapy for cancer, I think is a tremendously novel and platform-driven approach that can have a lot of uh, potential to treating cancer in general. You know, I go back to cancer because I think it's such a personal and difficult problem. It's the number one, will continue to be the number one cause of death as we start to live longer, as we start to eat better. All of those outcomes end up in in us developing these types of cancers because that's a cancer is a disease of chance Mm. and time and you know as you increase time the chance goes up so there's that you know but that's not really off the wall unless you're a no well speaking of off the wall i just interviewed a guy who's working on longevity research Mm, yes that can be off the wall yes he said the chances are kind of 50 50 that we're either going to live He's in his 50s. Mm-hmm. He's like, he'll die in his 80s or 90s, whatever, kind of normal. Sure. Or he'll live to like he's a thousand. I mean, it's provocative for sure. It is not going to be a thousand. Um, <laughs> I, I could take that bet. If you, if you don't mind, I'll be happy to take that. You know, like, connect yeah, yeah. me with them. Yeah, yeah. I'll take the yeah, other yeah, side yeah, of his yeah. bet. <laughs> yeah, but, but it definitely will be longer. You know, and I think change is always slower than people expect. And then much larger it's slow until it's fast and then, yeah. well, and then much larger than yeah. people could have ever imagined 
And I think that's the interesting thing, right? That's where maybe he was trying to get to. And for me, specifically around human, the human side, the health side versus, uh, let's just say, the incredible pressures that are going to come on our planet in the future, which is an inevitability. Let's say he, we all live to a thousand. Let's just take, let's just take what he says at, at face value for a second. And I'm, and I just said that the world population will double in, let's say, fifty to hundred years. But now everyone's living to a thousand. Well, if everyone's living to a thousand and our generations are doubling still, let's say now everyone's having what, ten, thirty generations per mm-hmm. lifetime. We're talking about a exponential growth explosion, population explosion from the exponential place we are today. So that would quickly lead us to a place where the earth is no longer inhabitable. Yeah, there would be Um, a lot of skyscrapers. That's right. And those skyscrapers are built on what? We're running out of sand. Yeah. Right? There was some article the other day, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally run, starting to run out of yeah. sand because China's using a lot of it. And yeah. Other countries that are developing are using a lot. So it, these are fundamental resources that we would need to start to think about using biology. So, you know, like, like Lingrove. Okay, well, rather than grow a tree that takes 50 years, right, can we take flax that, that has a much shorter lifespan, turn that into the same strength and stiffness wood? Right. Uh, using ingenuity, right? And that these are some of the things that we're here to, to solve for. But yeah, I think closer into that is we start to be able to augment ourselves, augment our children. We will definitely live longer. We don't know the outer edges because we don't understand what the fundamental basis of aging well enough to understand are we just wearing out or not? What, what does that mean? Like we could cure all disease. Let's say we cure all disease. Well, have we cured aging? Doubtful disease isn't aging. So it's a it's a big question right now. There's a huge push for what's called longevity. And that's the argument they're making. Well, they're trying to say aging itself is a disease that, that can be cured. Yeah, that is the indication that you are trying to... Correct. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I agree with that. But I do agree with the fact that we should understand aging because it's a fundamental part of the human process and we need to understand ourselves to to be able to treat things and so yes i don't know if aging is curable or if it wants to be curable well i wish you luck on all the stuff you're up to it sounds like you have your hands full thank you yes it's it's a great time and i hope we're able to produce companies that really can become transformational in the world because i think the world's definitely going to need it and i wish you luck on saturday as well (laughs) thank you very much yes i need to give you the details (laughs) thanks and that is all the time we have. I want to thank Arvind um, for taking the time. Also, I meant to say at the beginning, at the top of the show, I said I, this was seven months old. It is. That was actually my bad. We had done this, and then basically I thought I had lost the audio, which was a bit of a tragedy. But we found it, we recovered it, and we're finally bringing it to you. So apologies to Arvind and the Indie Bio guys for the delay. And I hope you enjoyed the show. And, of course, if you did, please take a moment, stop give a rating and review it really does help and you can find me this weekend i think i'll be writing about facebook surprise surprise and a few other things in the sunday times newspaper online at thetimes.co.uk you can find me on twitter at danny fortson and you can even email me at danny.fortson at sunday times.co.uk until next week have a very happy thanksgiving for those who are celebrating it i will be and we'll talk to you next week Bye-bye. The train is now approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers.
board, please stay on board. Next stop, Road Station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 